O Lord, in simplicity of heart, I offer myself to you today to be your servant forever, to obey you, and to be a sacrifice of perpetual praise. Amen. Uh, Thomas of Kempis. Okay, um, Psalm 136 is where I was going. Questions about anything? Anything else you want to chatter about? Good morning. Welcome. We haven't started. It's, you're just you're completely fine. It's great to see you. 136 has a little bit of a different character. Hey, how are we doing in terms of schedule? Um, our numbers are a little thinner. We certainly will not go Holy Week. Um, are we gonna? Are we taking any time off at Easter? Or are you gonna just keep coming? I know every, everybody says they keep coming, but I'm just asking. What's that? No, I mean I no, because I can make Gainig or Nelson come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just I just I just have it in my head. It's four weeks or five weeks now. So this would be this is three, right? We're gonna go three on Sunday. Palm Sunday 6 and Easter 7, so we're four weeks out from Easter. So we certainly won't go Good Friday. It is the same, It is Holy Week, unfortunate, which is, this is great if you're, it's great unless you're a parochial school because then everybody leaves you for your, you know, for the big, for the big stuff. Hey, man. I, he didn't offer me the key to the city. However, if you'll just let me have a big new sign for the school, we'll call it square. I want an LED. Did you ask about it? Did you really? <laughs> I'm like, man, if I, is he still here? I'll go ask him about it. I read the code. You know what the code says? You may not have a sign that, has, that promotes a carnival atmosphere. So go upstairs and assure him. That's actually in the code. That's why you can't have, that's why you can't have a bright. That's why you have to have a sign from the 1700s where you put car, where you put. So go up and promise him that we, in fact, if he wants, We'll have a sign with the bloody wounds of Christ that are anything but a carnival. We'll flash that bad boy all day long. I don't know. So anyway, I don't, we're trying to get a sign out in front of the school, but the code is so strict. Don't you feel sorry when you go by St. Mike's and you see their new sign? Well, I don't know if it's so small, but it's the same with the, I mean, Gary Methodist. They put a very, you know, they were a, but you can't have a, you can't have a sign with anything moving. You can't have a, it's crazy. It's nuts. Um, so, I mean, you, we should, I mean, we'd like to have a sign that looks like the 21st century in front of our school. But who knows? Okay. Whatever. If anybody knows the mayor, or if you, if you get a chance, you could ask him. Huh? What's the deal? You might want to do it after we get the permits for the other building. <laughs> hey! You, I've got an experienced person here. Maybe you should go on our behalf, mayor to mayor. But, but not, not now, but not before we get our permits. <laughs> but you know how to talk to them. There must be a particular way. Like there's a way you talk to kings, you know. There must be a way you talk to mayors when you get, yeah, deferentially. All right, here we go. 136. This is a little bit. This is, well, we certainly won't have it on Easter. I was trying to mark the schedule out. We certainly won't have it Good Friday. Are you going to come every Friday until Good Friday? Good Friday? You going to come the next four weeks? All right, we'll keep having it, and then we'll renegotiate after Easter. I know that I know that people always say they're going to come, but May is just a disaster of a month for anything in the church. It's as busy as Christmas with confirmations, and well, that's what we have to all decide together. Oh, not anything. Uh, just decide and let me know. Just decide and let me know, okay? 
Okay, good. <laughs> yes, we're having class all the way till Easter. Sorry. Yes. That will be the ninth. And we'll, maybe we'll go through April then. And we'll see how you feel. Sound good? Does that sound good? Yeah, April 9th. Because that's uh, those kids are back in school, which is always my barometer. They're gone Holy Week, I think, this year, right? Yeah. So, spring break. So, yeah, we'll come back on the 9th and see what happens. All right? Spring break. Cool, man. <laughs> yeah, boy, that's great. All right. Um, all right, I'll read this to you quickly, 136, okay? And then you uh, try to remember that this is, you know, this just wasn't sort of slapdash, and it didn't also fall down from heaven, you know, on golden plates. There's a guy writing this, um, normally a poet or a literary figure, and, you know, he does edit, and he does think, and he does put uh, care into this. So then, so ask yourself, then, what's, what's cooking here? Because... In, on the first read, you might say to yourself, well, this is just sort of, uh, you know, you couldn't think of anything else to say. But I just, I just wonder. Now, my, in the very first verse, I'm going to translate, my translation is love. His love endures forever. But you probably have something else. What do you have? Everybody has love? Wow. It is. Yeah, and go there. What's the next line? Really? He... Well, no, the Hebrew is chesed, which is mercy. Which, so it's a different. I'm surprised that every translation is love. Nobody has anything else. I don't know. 136. All right, man. You got it. Are you pulling up Bible words? Yeah, he's done with the Mary. He's still a little, still a little, he's still a little, yeah, he's still a little starstruck. Exactly. Exactly. It's chesed, is it not? All right. Can I give you some advice? You're never going to get a new computer if you just keep saying stacked up. You actually need to <laughs> knock it off the top of your car and say, my computer <laughs> broke. <laughs> I know, it's all right. Everybody needs an excuse. <laughs> it's good to give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords, his love endures forever. Alone he works great marvels, his love endures forever. In wisdom he made the heavens, his love endures forever. He laid the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. He made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to rule by day, his love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night, his love endures forever. He struck down the firstborn of the Egyptians, his love endures forever. He brought Israel from among them, his love endures forever. With strong hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. He divided the Red Sea in two, his love endures forever. He made Israel pass through it, his love endures forever. But Pharaoh and his host, he swept into the sea, his love endures forever. He led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. He struck down great kings, his love endures forever. He slew mighty kings, his love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, his love endures forever. He gave their land to Israel, his love endures forever. To Israel, his servant, as their patrimony, his love endures forever. He remembered us when we were cast down, his love endures forever. 
and rescued us from our enemies, his love endures forever. He gives food to all his creatures, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, his love endures forever. Okay, what are you going to make of that? Or can you see anything going on there? Or if you were going to, if you were going to kind of think about it, so well, maybe we can think about it this way: What were the Psalms used for? Why, th- why were the Psalms written? They were, were, were written for worship. Yes, they were. What else? Remembrance. For remembrance. Very good. Beautiful, because they didn't have a text. So um, the way you learned things was to memorize them, and the way you memorized them was to repeat them, right? Um, so uh, this is, uh, it's, it's, it's one, it is for worship, but two, it's to teach folks. So you'd ask yourself, what is it that they're trying to teach? What is it that you're supposed to remember, and how does that apply to you? So if you were going to just talk about the psalm, what's the primary thing you'd want to say? Thank you very much. Yes, right. So this apparently the psalmist made his point. Um, it is a psalm of praise in some sense. Go. Sorry? New King James, yeah. Does anybody have a regular Kim King James? My guess is that it's the same in both of them. What's your say? Do you have a regular King James? Verse 1. The second, yeah, just read me the second. He does have mercy. That's all I need. Good. Yeah, fantastic. All right. So the King James has still got the oldest. So um, now, (coughs) if you were thinking about, when you think about God, just really honestly, when you think about God, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Thank you very much. Um, What else? Good. What else? Thank you. What else? Thank you. Good. What else? <laughs> Good. Thank you. Uh, be grateful if you do. Yes. I'd like him to run it a little harder and faster. But yes, right in the show. What else? Yes, he does. Now, you were all um, ruined, apparently, from having been to church a lot, which is very nice because um, I don't think that this is most people's default when they think about God. If it was, churches would be jam-packed, right? So this is, uh, however you think about God is not maybe um, the way people outside the church think about God. They don't normally think of God. If you really thought that this was the place, I mean, think about, think about your physical body. If you're sick, and there's one place in all the world that you could go to be healed, I mean, you're horribly sick, painfully sick, deathly sick. If there's one place that you could go, and you could go there for free, you would go. Right. Which is exactly what the church is. The church is the one place in all the world that you can go for free and be healed. My guess is that that's not the way... Um, people think about it. Otherwise, they'd be here. So the opposite of that mercy and love would be good, og, judgment. But judge, judgment, distance. Thank you. Uh, but that is, these are only actions. So this is distance as he moves. Sorry. 
Yes, okay, good. Yes. Well, actually, just, yes, right. Okay, so he's, uh, but he's got to move to be gone. Yes, good. Distant. Good. Actually, division, did you say? Division. Okay, good. Sorry. Just sometimes it takes me a little while. But um, my, my point was that these are all, the only reason I wrote down moves there is I was going to notice that all three of these things actually um, have to do with an action. Uh, no, I just am, I'm only gathering the data. But they're usually, um, these are all actions that somebody does. Um, now this is actually, you're maybe ruined and that's good. Uh, there's two ways to think about this. Love is always an action, strikingly so, but the action comes from what? Where's your actions come from? I can say that I know who you are by what you do, but it, what does Scripture say? Where, uh, where, where does you, where does what you do come from? Thank you. What's the core of your being? Yeah, if you're a Greek, well, it's a harder if you're a Hebrew. Soul's not wrong. Soul's a new, great new, new Testament word. Absolutely, it's completely fine. Um, but it's your heart. It's your, you know, uh, you know that Paul talks about your soul. Or it just depends what translation. But so out of your heart, out of the heart proceeds whatever action is. So now I was just curious, um, which kind of heart does God have? Does God have the kind of heart that is loving? Or does God have the kind of heart that is judging? So this would be sort of, um, see, when you don't, see, this would be, this would be a heart that would be a heart of mercy. What would this heart be? Thank you. Judgment is what happens, but the opposite of mercy normally is wrath. Yeah. So when you sure, yeah, actually, uh, actually, heart isn't that a great expression? Heartless, like he's got none of this, or which is an empty, he got an empty heart. Actually, which is slightly preferable to a wrathful heart. A heartless is just kind of you walk by people who are in trouble. A wrathful heart is you strike them down. Exactly, yes. I know. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of a lot. Of, yeah, we went to the Williams uh, wake last night for Ann's mom. You know, we prayed for her upstairs today, and Ann's mom died this past week. And it was just a, a remarkable difference when people understand um, the Lord's heart to be loving, and that even your death then becomes a blessing. It was. You could you could feel it in the room. You could just there was just a sense of hope, a sense of kindness, even just you know ripples of joy. You can feel it because they understood that God's heart is a heart of love and not a heart of wrath. Okay, how you doing? You still okay? It makes a huge difference whether you think about God like this or God like this. That's right. Yes, occasionally we do get disciplined. So I'll just note that. Um, <clears throat> now, um, so one possibility is to discipline. What's the opposite of discipline? I'm just, I'm actually asking an honest question. What would be the other side of that? Sorry? Yeah, tolerant would be good. I wonder if there's a stronger word. Because tolerant is, what would, what would the opposite of, what would the opposite of? Tolerant is okay. I was looking for an, kind of an action word, maybe. 
What would you say? What w- Sorry? Permissive, Permissive but I'm a, 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 even more positive. Like, uh, how does the Lord, when he looks at you, the Lord disciplines you when you're outside his will to move you back in. What's the other side? Here's the reason why. I know where I, I know where I want to go next, which is I want both of these to come back and be blessing. See? Because discipline for you is a good thing. If you're doing something horrible and the Lord nudges you back in, boom, that's a blessing, right? I was just trying to think of what the other side of that would be. Yeah, we used love already as the top thing, though. I'm trying to keep my all my words kind of. Yeah, maybe. That's kind of in the, but what's the, what was the, yeah, okay, and, that, and that's kind of the middle thing. The tolerant and permissive can all be in here, but what's the, what's the other side? What would the other side of that be? It could be reward, although it's a, it's sometimes it's a freebie, right? Although reward is actually in there. I mean, the whole notion that God doesn't reward our good works. Gandhi is having a tough time in joy group because they can't understand the notion. Some of them can't understand the notion that, one, you can do something in the gospel, and two, that the Lord can reward what you do in the gospel. They're so, so, like, so... Dead Orthodox that they can't understand that um, I know I only said some but here's the thing the Christian life is an active life I can quote you Luther chapter and verse upstairs uh, faith is a living in an active thing it stumbles over itself to do good work it can't do good works fast enough you know um, anytime we say anything of good works in there, there there are people who rebel against it as if there's a difference between good works meriting your salvation and good works because you love God, and even good works, that, there's a difference between good works that get rewarded with heaven, and good works that are rewarded because they're, so I've, I, that's fine. Yes, exactly, absolutely, absolutely, right. Could be, I'm trying to think what the Lord does to you. He does, in fact, give you freedom, but what, you know, I'm trying to think of the Lord's action on you. This is horrible, man, not being able to come up with a word. Well, we can leave it there. Yes, freedom is certainly part of it because the world is an open place. He's nice to you. Yeah, gracious. But but po- give me a positive thing. Not just that he looks at you and he's like, oh, Joanne, again, ho-hum, okay, I'll let her go and I won't give her this into the lake of fire today. There's, there's, a, there's another side to that story. <sighs> I don't know. Positive, positive, Carol. <laughs> yeah, I, but there's more. I, uh, mm, mm. <laughs> actually, praise, actually, reward is, is not so far off. Praise may not be so far off either. I don't want to use bless because I want you to think of your discipline as a blessing, to be honest with you. The, o- the only point of this whole exercise, I mean, the only, the only thing I was really going after is, I just, want you to, I just want you to think of God as primarily loving. He's not always loving. If you get to the middle part there where the kings, he slew the kings, and then he gives you the names of them. Pharaoh would be another one, right? He puts Pharaoh into the Red, Red Sea, you know? So um, we'd have to think about why some people, uh, if God's default or God's nature is mercy, then the question for you would be, why does anybody ever get killed? So we have to kind of think that through.
Right, so just kind of hold on to that as we go. Now, if you were going to just look at this, um, what are the big themes? So mercy is the biggest theme. His mercy endures forever. His love endures forever, okay? We'll give thanks to the Lord for his good. His love endures forever. Actually, and if we could come back to that at some point, you'll notice the very last line is about thanks or gratitude, which goes with Eucharist, Thanksgiving, which is strikingly missing often in the Christian life. So if we could learn to be a bit more grateful for the love that God has in his heart toward us, that would be a very nice thing. It would kind of help us in our life together. So if you're going to divide this up, or if you were thinking about this as a piece of poetry, if you were doing, let's say you're doing your kid's 10th grade literary criticism English assignment, what would this look like? Huh? What, do you, what are the stories that are going on here? Fantastic. Okay, good. So creation goes in the first verses. Uh, five. Yes, yeah, so there's there, so you get a little bit of a warm-up there, right? A little stretching and some mild aerobics to get you going in verses 1 through 4. Good. So then you go into creation. And then, um, so 5 through 9 is creation. Good. And then what is, uh, what's after creation? 5 through 9. Then what do you have? You do have Exodus, good. Keep going. Even beyond 16. Yeah, so what's part two? So first there's the wilderness, and then what's the progression? You go from wilderness to, to the kings, into the promised land. Through the kings to the promised land, perfect. And that goes all the way to um, verse 22. So first you have creation, then try this. You have a little bit of history. Because, um, well, just, just take it. And then what's the last bit? How would you characterize the last bit? A little bit. It, it is a little bit. Um, good. Creation, history. Although, what's the difference between the first part and the last part? Yeah, the hook. Good. Yes, thank you very much. Good. Right, good. But there's a difference between the whole, every, everything between, between, everything before 22 is different than, uh, well, everything from 4 through 22 is different than 1 through, 1 through 4 and 23 through 26 are different than the middle bits, right? Good, okay. Uh Gosh, the, the stuff that you see. Go. Hmm, ha, good. Okay, what in the world could that, what could that possibly mean? Good. Thank you. Specific to. But if you, if you, if you, when you, when you lie down. Exactly. Thank you very much. Specific to me, she said. So here's the thing. When you're writing a, when you're writing, when somebody's writing a psalm, and they have oral history, and you learn by memory and repetition, who's been? Have you ever been to? Have you ever been to a Passover with your friends? Make some Jewish friends go to Passover. What happens in Passover? What's the primary thing that's supposed to happen in Passover? It's the same thing that's supposed to happen when we come to Easter Vigil. What, what's supposed to happen? It's a remembrance, but not just a remembrance. It's, it's beyond remembrance because what's, what, what does the Father always tell the family? What's he trying to impress on them? 
That story is your story, which is exactly how this works. It's not just the raw repetition of facts. So here's, so he, let me just suggest to you, you get facts, you get facts, but then you get you. So now I'd ask you, in your own life, how do you move from um, facts, facts to you? Does that look vaguely familiar to you? Thank you very much. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which this is then, basically what you have here is the creed. Because it's the Father who does this, and then it all fell apart, so there's the Son who did that, but the only way it ever happens for you is if it comes to you by way of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that, or does it feel too imposed on you? It's somebody else, it's somebody else. Hey, it's me. I mean, this is the great Lutheran thing, which is nothing matters until it's for you. Until it's for you, it doesn't make any difference. If God's doing something for everybody else in the neighborhood, it doesn't matter. You don't love God. The only reason you'll love God is when God is for you. Make sense? Right? So what you're trying to get to well, I mean, what's the repetition is trying to teach you in your worst moments, the thing that you'll remember is his love endures forever. His love endures forever. Somebody was asking me about Tizay the other night, kind of moaning about it, and then made the fatal um, comparison to a contemporary worship song, to which I said, no, 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 no. Um, there's two things about it that are at least different. One is, Tizay is almost always scripture. How many, one of the hardest things in this we have in confirmation is kids and their parents don't do memory work anymore. Did you do memory work when you were a kid? Yeah. Here's the thing. I was the last generation. I was the last generation. My generation was the last generation for whom, come on, you're not that much. No, no, my daughter. Yeah. Yep. Did they? Well, you actually had an exceptional, you had an exceptional. And at their confirmation, they were very good. I think St. Timothy would go to. That way. Then God bless, thank St. Timothy. Because here's the thing. When you had to do, when you had to do your memory work, where did you have to do your memory work for your confirmation? In front of the congregation. My grandmother was a confirmation class of one. And in front of the congregation, she had to do every question from the catechism in German. Yeah, the good old days. Not only did she have to know it, she had to know it in the language that God clearly speaks. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. What do we do now for kids for confirmation? We, we like, give them all the words except for four, and they have to fill in and and it. And then we say, oh, they know it. It's so beautiful. We're weak. We're sissies. We're worthless. Exactly right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. Yes. Well, this is Diane's fault. He trusted Diane. Diane was your cousin. You just. <laughs> no, I mean the bishop just comes. The, the bishop just signs the check. He doesn't actually do the books. You know. Ask. Ask people, ask people, ask around. Just ask around. Well, actually, 
Actually, they are asked to do homework because every night I'm like, but but memory work is not not quite as not quite as at least I'll only speak for us. Memory work is not valued as much uh, as it used to be, but but obviously the point of this is to tell you, hey, remember, hey, remember, hey, remember. You know, this is your the default is that when you wake up in the middle of the night and you wonder if God loves you or not, you should have this vague recollection of Psalm 136. That he loves you, and he loves you, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit way. He loves you as m- m- someone that he's bringing into the promised land. Okay. Um, what else? Anything else on that? Um, it wouldn't be bad for you then to um, flip your Bible from the Psalm then, um, if the Psalms are actually. Christ incarnate. You might flip to the New Testament. Let's go to Matthew and just have a look at this. Well, I don't, uh, I'm going to go to Matthew um, 9, I think, to start. Hold on here. Yes, okay. So look at, uh, we'll look at Matthew's call. Um, see, see, here's the thing. Intellectually, I can get you all to agree um, but what you'll be your to your great shame, you will come to the budget meeting and you will see the St. John budget coming up for outreach, on a budget of uh, three million dollars is going to be twenty five hundred dollars. So I just ask you, uh, when you co- or whatever it's going to be two and a half million, three million, two million doesn't matter what it is. Our total budget for mercy next year is twenty five hundred dollars. So partly what I ask you is. Um, how can you read this psalm and do the text that Jesus is going to talk about right now and have a budget in this congregation of $2,500 for acts of mercy? I just posed the question to you. You're the voters. Unfortunately, I can't decide. If I could decide, it wouldn't be this way, but it's your fault. You're going to come and vote. I mean, because that's the way the Constitution is written. So until I'm Solomon with the sword and get to cut the baby in half, this is your sin. So here we go. Um, so Jesus, pa- I'm just, I can only, I'm just the reporter. I'm the victim. There's nothing I can do. Matthew 9, 13. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But no, Ma- Matthew 9, 13 is the payoff punch. Uh, Matthew 9. He passed on from there. Uh, Matthew 13, 9. My bad. I should just say what it is. Matthew 13, 9. 13, 9. Because here's the thing, it's easy to talk about mercy in the abstract, you're all, see, I mean, for half an hour, you're all about mercy, and you're all about love, and you don't want to end up like Og, and that's fine, but um, there's actually a payoff to this in the Christian life. Um, so Matthew 9, Matthew 13, no, no, Matthew 9, 9, 9, Matthew chapter 9, sorry, I'm out of, I get this, the, I, I'm out of my element with this Bible here, Matthew chapter 9. My bad. This is my. Here we go. I'm getting older now, starting to fail a little bit. You know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, Matthew nine, verse nine. Now, oh, now hold on now. No, no giving the answer in advance. Betty cheating ahead like that. You probably whispered memory work into the kid's ear in front of you too. Uh, Matthew nine nine. As he passed on from there, Jesus saw a man named Matthew at his seat in the custom house and said to him. Follow me, and Matthew rose and followed him. So there's a striking amount of stuff that goes on there, like Jesus speaks, and without uh, qualification, question, thank you very much, he just gets up 
uh, and does it. And you've seen the Caravaggio at some point, I hope, where he's pointing and um, Jesus points to Matthew and Matthew's at a table like this. And there's about three people. There's two. There's a couple mm, of people. Who <laughs> Mr. Mueller, report from Africa. <laughs> he's conference calling in right now. <laughs> At $400 a minute. <laughs> and this Caravaggio, there's a, there's a table of people. There's a couple of them that can't be bothered. There's one guy who kind of looks. Um, and then Matthew kind of looks. He's got his hand back, sort of saying, who me? But his, there's also some tension in his leg under the table. You can see he's about to stand. Jesus. <laughs> hey, I thought you were in the chair. Aren't you the cheerleaders this year? I was the band. I'm I'm the band. I thought you did. That's right. Are you going to state? <laughs> All right, good. So there is a little bit of there's a little bit of um, there's a there's a window that has uh, the glass in the shape of a cross. The um, and then Jesus' hand is pointing in the way that that um, the Lord's hand points to, you know, the famous Sistine Chapel where he touches him. So it's the same hand, he copies the hand, and there's light on the hand as if the light proceeds out of Jesus and sort of draws. And, and, and that, so it's this great image of sort of a resurrection. And you'll notice how uh, Matthew doesn't reject the follow me or the resurrection. He just simply stands up and he follows him. But then, and this will give you a hint toward restitution, where we're going to go in a week or two, depending on how things go on Sunday morning. Um... um <laughs> we like mercy in theory. But mercy gets very messy um, in practice. So Jesus was at table in the house with many bad characters. Isn't that great? Tax gatherers and others. That's a, it's a great translation. Jesus was at table in the house with many bad characters, tax gatherers, which were considered to be traitors. These were, they were, there was a treason uh, to the Jews. They collected money from the Jews and gave it to a pagan king. Nothing worse than that. Many bad characters were seated with him and his disciples. So Jesus says, table fellowship with the underclass. Um, this is what your mother always warned you against, you know. One bad apple, that whole speech. Um, the Pharisees noticed this and said to his disciples, why is it that your master eats with tax collectors and sinners? It's actually the Greek word there is great. It's called that the literal <laughs> thing is with tax tax farmers. So it's people who sort of they treat they treat the people as an open field to you know constantly be harvested. So why does your master eat with tax gatherers and sinners? Jesus heard it and he said, Hey. It's not the healthy that need the doctor, but the sick. So that should tell you something about your budget. I guess it would d tell you whether or not you think you're healthy or sick. Um, <laughs> I just ask you, do you think you're healthy or sick? Now, before you answer the question, you know, of course, it's a trick question, so you want to think carefully about that. I once had a friend uh, uh, who went out to dinner. He gave a lecture and then he went at a Baptist place, and then he went out to dinner and unthinkingly ordered a glass of wine at dinner with the rest of the folks who had invited him. And one of the guys said, um, you can't drink that. That offends me. Based on what biblical passage, right? 
that if you're if you're if you you offend the weaker brother, you should have stayed. So he said, if you admit you're the weaker brother, I won't drink. You see, so there's always a bit of pride in the weaker brother sometimes. Maybe they're not really the weaker brother, which is sort of what happens here. Um, Jesus says it's not the healthy who need the doctor. So if you're all sick, then we can keep all our money at St. John this year. I mean, if, you were, if you're all just desperately sick and horribly in need, but then you have to maintain that posture for the whole fiscal year. However, if you happen to be somewhat healthy, you may have to think about, well, I don't know, other people? So it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this text means. I require mercy, not sacrifice. I didn't come to invite the virtuous people, but the sinners. Now, Pastor Gainig, you know all about the Bible, and you're young. Wasn't there a point where Matthew makes restitution? You remember Zacchaeus does that, too. Zacchaeus up the tree when he gets called and then he gives back everything he's stolen in four times or something like that. So my question to you would be, what would Jesus mean when he says, you just had this long psalm about mercy, <coughs> and then what could Jesus possibly mean when he says, same word, I require mercy and not sacrifice. What could that possibly mean? What do you think? Or what would you observe in this text that mercy looks like? Or how is it different from maybe you normally conceive it? <sighs> right. My great fear <clears throat> is that when you think of mercy or love, you think of it as intangible. Which means you think about it as um, a feeling that just sort of hangs in the air. So if I say, do you love somebody, um, how do you, what do you, th or if, if I say, if, uh, you know, do you love me, Jesus says, do you love me, or if anybody, if your husband or wife says, do you love me, what do you normally think about? Yes, whether or not you have a warm feeling in your heart. When I say, Kirby, do you love me, what do I really mean? <laughs> Isn't that great being married all these years? This is like, and did you notice there was no gap in the response? There you go. You know, I know that the five languages of love book exists. I know it exists. But I only believe that one chapter is true. Oh, you know, really, honestly, talk to me. I'm like, which is why I'm grateful for all of you. I know. Well, you're sort of, you're, she's a complex woman. But, but quality time for you is normally defined as. So I'm always grateful for any of you who would call my wife during the day and talk. I am. I'm just being honest. This is a deep need. This is a deep need of 20, 30,000 words a day. And what happens, what do I do, what do I do all day long? If I'm not writing something, what am I doing? Talking to other people, right. And so when I get home, how many words do I have left? About four. Yeah, you're right. About four, two, four. <laughs> I got about two, four left, six maybe. 
So basically, if you don't call my wife and get out, say, 30,000, if you call my wife and talk during the day, you make my marriage stronger, better, <laughs> right? You do me a favor. It's the way that you would love me. See? This is extraordinarily important. Six three zero six six eight. Yeah, no, ah, ee, I'll say, yeah, great. Oh, I mean, if my if I come home, my wife is on the phone laughing hysterically. I'm thinking, this is a good day. She's happy. I'm happy. We're all happy, and the house is probably cleaned, right? It's probably clean. It's a great day. So, but here's the thing: in the scriptures, I mean, I just you can have all the other definitions you want, and. Mr. Chapman can keep selling books, but the reality is in the scripture, and of course there is talking and there's quality time, blah, blah, but in the scriptures, just when the scriptures talks about love, it doesn't talk primarily about whether you feel it. I did, Good Friday is the ultimate act of love, and it's the ultimate bad feeling. To be crucified is the ultimate bad feeling, right? You're hung naked, you know, in the weather, in Palestine, in the spring, which is going to be both hot and cold. It's utter humiliation, it's certain death, and it's done in such a way that you linger, you know, that you're tortured. They go to Jesus and they're surprised that he's, that he's died so quickly. People could hang on for a day or two or three sometimes. Josephus, the great historian, Jewish historian, he went off once and, with, and he came back and his slave had been crucified by accident. I think it was either two or three days when they came home, they took him down and the guy lived, you know. It was miserable stuff, okay. So... I mean, here's the thing. You, uh, I require mercy, not sacrifice. Sacrifice is you're actually doing something, but in this case, when they're put against each other, it means empty. So this is like the perfunctory, um, you know, the people that you don't like, but there's the great social pressure at the point when the peace be with you. And then like you're like, that would be sacrifice, not mercy, right? That would be your heart's not in it going through the motions. But sacrifice is the way of making things better. You saw in the psalm, he makes things better. He creates so he's got somebody, some more folk to love. He saves so he has a people unto himself in a promised land. And the last four verses, he cares for us. He cares for me. Okay? But that draws a response. If you just, you know, if you go back to 136, it draws the response of thankfulness and gratitude. So I think, you know, it was very good how you sort of parse this out. Matt, I think you said it starts with thanks and ends in, you know, starts with praise and ends in thanks, I think, which is, was a great way to say this, right? So the Lord creates me. The Lord brings me into the promised land, the church, the Lord, um, Remember, he remembered us when we were cast down. Us, not those folks. He remembered us when we were cast down. His love endures forever. And rescued us, real time, present, from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to all his creatures. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. But your thanks is in the way of obedience, which is in the way of mercy, which is the way of following Christ. I mean, this, this, this Lutheran thing about you become little Christ to each other. But it's not just talk. Talk is great. It's not just talk. It's not just warm feelings. James, 
You can say to the poor when you see them, you know, go, be warm, be fed. They don't have any clothes, they don't have any food, but you say, go, be warm, be fed, because we spent $2,500 the first day of the month. You notice if you ever come here on the first day of the month, and I don't, I say this, I don't say this in any begrudging way. I actually say it with sort of a respect, which is every homeless person in Wheaton knows that we reload on the first day of the month. And on the first day of the month, people stream in and get food passes and bus passes. And what else do we give out? That's pretty much it. Uh, food yeah, food itself. And on, and on March the 2nd, on March the 1st, we're the most popular gig in town. On March the 2nd, we're done. We don't have anything left. But everybody knows, and I don't begrudge it a bit because you know what? If you're homeless and you're industrious enough, industrious enough to find out that St. John delivers on the first of the month, God bless you. That's why we're here. But, you know, you should just, just try to think a little bit about mercy in the image of God who provides for people, rescues people, brings people into his care. What would that mean for your own life? You provide for people, you rescue people, you bring people into your care. It would actually mean that you'd focus out and not only focus in. It means that we would, I mean, love your, love your neighbor as yourself, which means, you know, if you have change in your pocket, I suppose you split it down the middle. So there's, um, you know, I know we're in a little bit of a transition phase, but gosh, mercy is an action item. And uh, it's for all of us. Anything else? Been relatively quiet today. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Um, Pastor, was it you or was it Nelson? It was you who went out to, yeah, went out to the. Yeah, when you talk to them, you say, who's at your house tonight? I think there might be a couple of people from the Sudan tonight, and there also might be one person from Indonesia. Or like when we, yeah, when we, yep, exactly right. It's, it's nuts. Right. Right. Because we went to parent night at, we went to parent night at high school, and she's there in support of kids of the parents that they're resettling because obviously if you just arrive from, you know, um, Ethiopia, you don't quite, haven't quite figured out how to, what parent night means, <laughs> right? You don't know the questions you're supposed to, so she goes, you know, it's not just, you might just begin to think about that. I mean, um, I'll give you a little of the speech that I gave to the elders, which is, you know, we're making preparations to move next door. It would be very nice if we could leave a lot of baggage behind when we move. And one of the things that would be very nice to leave behind is kind of a culture of complaint. There's just a lot of whining in Wheaton. Oh, poor me, poor me. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, there's hardly anything for any of us to whine about, you know? I mean, there's, there's just, the, there's hardly anything for us to complain about. Complaint is always self-focused and is anti-mercy. If you always feel victimized, if you always feel oppressed, if you're always focused in, it's very difficult to think about other people. Jesus goes through life with his chin up and his eyes out. And when he calls somebody like Matthew or Israel, it's chin up and eyes out. 
What can you do for somebody else? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So the heart of God is mercy. Mercy is expressed in action. And the Christian life is to mimic God. So your heart is meant to be merciful and your focus is meant to be out. Right? So we might begin to think about that. And if you to live in thanks and praise or to live in thanks and gratitude is the anti-wine. Well, people are whining all the time because they're thinking about themselves. Oh, ah, I didn't get my, oh, I didn't get my, ah, I wish I could, oh, I, ah. It's all focused in. That's the opposite. That's anti-mercy. Real mercy focuses out. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. We're not just putting in time. Sacrifice just puts in time. Mercy actually delivers. So Jesus finds himself at dinner with tax collectors and sinners, with refugees, with people who come in the first day of the month. The other thing you should know is it's horribly messy, time-consuming business. To actually, you know, we have, when somebody comes in the door here, for example, one person meets them, another person watches them because we never know who's coming in our door. And especially, we, we can't expose especially women um, to, like we never send, the, if the deaconess comes out and works alone with somebody, that breaks our protocol. Our protocol is, especially for a woman, always to have somebody else who's, in a chair, in another room, having a cup of coffee, not being, but, but so by the time you, if somebody walks in the door, we tie up two people, and then we hear their story, and we try to figure out what they need, and sometimes there's some negotiation. By the time you do all that, you know, it takes some time, it's messy, sometimes <laughs> we were driving back from a funeral the other day, and at the bus stop, Gaining says, that's the woman who t- wouldn't take, wouldn't take, she wouldn't take what from us last week? She wouldn't take cookies last week. That's right. One of you guys, were, they were here just before we came in. And we'd given them food and gas, and we tried to give them cookies, and they wouldn't take it. It's like, no, we don't want that. They wanted very specific. Sometimes they come in with very specific things. The point of all that is, is mercy is kind of messy, and it takes some time. You've got to be committed to it. Um, we, gotta need to, we need to kind of raise our level of awareness toward that because it's all over the place. You know? What else you got? Anything else? All right, well, I know you, if you just, if we left early and you just had to talk among yourselves, I don't want to burden you, but it could happen. What do you want to do? Have you got one you want to do next week? Yes, my friend. I think that went out. Right. It is only within the Right. There are churches that ask people to tithe their time in addition to tithing their cash. That's an interesting time. If I got 10% of your time, this actually you're a bad example because I already <laughs> get 10% of your time. But if I got 10% of the, and part of the thing is the localized, the localizing that on us. Um, I had two phone calls just this week, but this happens almost daily. Somebody says, I got a great idea. Here's what you should do. And I'm like, if you got a great idea, do it. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting. I, I take your point. We need to get our hands a little bit dirtier. Money is a, actually a really good thing. So, and I don't think you did this. You don't want to play the money off against the time. You got It's got to be both of those deals, and you got to be smart about it too. That's right. That's right. Right. I'd like to send a couple of my kids to who knows where, too. (laughs) (coughs) People didn't think, well, never mind. Okay, I was going to say a sassy thing, and then, see, I repented of it. I don't know if it was because you were sitting there. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, sending kids off to a work camp or something changes them, you know, so. Anyway, just think it through. See if your mercy can take an incarnate form. I mean, it's Christological. Jesus came. If, you're, if, you're embody, if you embody Christ, if you're baptized into Christ, if you are the body of Christ, then you do what Christ does. And that just, um, be very interesting. If we kind of get over that hump of, I mean, a real tithe of time and of, of money, be such a different place. I don't, and I don't really understand. I mean, I can explain it, but I can't. I don't understand it. I think we need to reunite baptism, and then they become Muslim as well. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah, they do actually say that. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to be the North America is not going to be the big Christian place in the next hundred years. So it would be very interesting. Well, just you might you know might think about this, but think about it under the way of mercy. Try not to think about it as a burden. Think about how would mercy play out in my own life, <coughs> or how would mercy play out in our collective life in very specific things like how we care for people who walk through the door, or what the budget looks like for the mercy part of our life together, or what your own giving looks like, or what your own time looks like. Um, you know, just you might just you might just start to think about that kind of kind of eyes up, chin up, eyes out, kind of, you know, thinking about other people. Okay, uh, well, let's pray. Does anybody have a psalm you want to do next time around? I don't know. Let me look. I don't <coughs> recall. Yeah, can I just take a quick look? Want to want to have a run at 22 next time? You're up. You okay? 22? It's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough psalm, um, but it's a good Lent psalm, but it's a tough psalm. Um, so yeah, we could certainly have a look at that. Yeah, it's a little different than today's. I was trying to give you a little bit of relief in the one from today. There's a range of things, although if you do read the psalms regularly, you do, there's a heavy bias toward people who are in pain. There's just a lot of pain in the psalms, but there's also a lot of relief if you read them to the end, almost every one comes back with, you know, whatever the pain is, you're still the Lord and you'll sort it out. Okay, 22 next week. See you there. Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.